Welcome to the Roxborough Church Podcast. For more resources and information, visit RoxboroughChurch.org. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. We serve a good God, amen? Come on now, we serve a good God, amen? Turn your Bibles to John chapter 10. Turn your Bibles to John chapter 10 as we pray. Father God, I pray right now that you would just... Just alive in our souls, Father God, I pray that you would ready our hearts for your word, Lord God. I, I pray that you would empty this minister of himself and fill him with your spirit, God. And I pray that as your word comes forth, God, that your word would do what only can happen through your spirit, God. And you would comfort and convict at the same time, Lord God, that you would, you would parse out things in our lives, God. That you would point out areas of our life that this word needs to, to dig deep in, God. And you would uh, encourage areas of our lives that are just lined up with you already. So, Father God, we welcome whatever your spirit might do through the preached power of your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. We're going through the Gospel of John, and we're, we're up to John chapter 10, and uh, we're kind of working through a chapter a week, and we're going to be in the Gospel of John through the rest of uh, this school year, all the way up through the end of May, and so excited for that. And, uh, and uh, as we get into today's message, today's message, you know, we got the introduction of the, of the farm animals, and so we're going to talk about that a little bit. Um, but I uh, also want to give you one quick shout out and highlight that some of you have been asking, are we going to get to hear Pastor Charlie preach? He's here, and you know he's he's doing food out in fellowship hour, and and he sings during like uh, welcome time, and and uh, and he he says amen a lot, but we don't get to hear him preach. So um, we're ready, we're ready, Pastor Charlie. You're up in two weeks. Get a word for us, okay? Get a word for us. Get a word for us. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the uh, the the sheep pen by the gate climbs in by some other way, and they are a thief and a robber. I'm in verse 2 of chapter 10. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you that I am the gate and I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. That's, uh, that's verse 9, in case you didn't have that highlight. I want to highlight that. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd, is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the, attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he has a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They, will, they too will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. 
No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. The Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, he is demon possessed. He's raving mad. Why would we listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? There's a lot of things we can learn today as we talk about sheep and gates and shepherds. But uh, for those who are going to be short on the attention span, let me cut to it. Um, we are indeed compared to sheep. By the way, this sermon and this uh, that, that Jesus first taught and that I'm carrying forward is not a message about an under-shepherd. That's what I am, an under-shepherd. It's not a message about an under-shepherd. It's a message about the good shepherd. Please don't get those two confused. I've let you down enough that you know that I'm not the good shepherd. There's a good shepherd who is perfect in all that he does, and that's who Jesus is talking about here. So he's talking about the good shepherd and the sheep. We all fall into the latter category, the sheep category. So let's talk real quickly about sheep in case, uh, in case we're not familiar. You know, not a lot of sheep around here in, uh, in our neck of Philadelphia, unless you go over to some of our friends' house who, who have goats and chickens. They probably have a, a wandering lamb just for the purpose of having one walk around. Um, but, uh, but most of us don't, don't have a lot of experience with sheep. They're not wandering around. So let's just say, let, let me help you figure out a couple of things. Most of us know sheep because we're used to doing like a kid's project where you, you take cotton balls and you glue them to a piece of paper and you give it a brown or a black face and it's white and fluffy and it's got four little legs and some kind of scrungy tail. And we say, oh, there's a bunch of sheep, right? And then when there's just one, it's sheep. And then when there's more than one, it's sheep. There's just a bunch of sheep or sheep. And that's about what we know about sheep, right? So there's a couple other things that we can kind of help you learn about sheep. Number one, sheep are not very smart animals, are they? No, they're pretty dumb. They're pretty dumb. I don't know why God chose to compare us to pretty dumb animals, but he did. Take it up with him when you get there. Um, but, uh, but yeah, sheep are, pr- sheep are just kind of pretty, pretty, on their own, they're just pretty dumb animals, right? Like, yeah, and they're also not very dangerous animals, right? You know, like little lammy. Little woolly, you know, like you bought one for your kid, you know, you watch Lamb Chop on TV, like they're just cute and cuddly and you're just non-threatening kind of animals. Nobody ever said, I'm going to scare my kid by putting a sheep in front of them, right? You know, like, bah, ah, right? Like it just doesn't happen that way. Most people think sheep, you're like, oh, I want to hug you. That's so cute, you dumb animal. Like that is kind of how it goes, right? All right, so, um, but let me help you understand a couple other things. Um, sheep, are all, sheep are also very nearsighted. Is that what it's called, nearsighted, when you can't see far away? Yeah. Or is that farsighted when you can't see? Oh, you got it. You know what I'm saying. They can't see real far. So here's what sheep do. They lock their attention on whatever is closest. All right? Follow this. Follow this. They lock their attention on whatever is closest. And so if you ever want to teach kids how to do single file, just, just try to train them up to be like a sheep. Because a sheep sees whatever's closest. And what they normally often see is the butt of the sheep in front of them, right? And so they just follow the butt of the sheep in front of them. And they just move around, move around. And then when a sheep gets out of line, what happens? The shepherd speaks up. The shepherd speaks up. And the shepherd yells out, hey, sheep, time to get back in line. And maybe he says a little cuter. Maybe he has a name for sheep. Little woolly. If you don't get back in line, you're going to be less fluffy. You know what I'm saying? And whoop. 
and then he's kind of moved back in line. Here's what I'm trying to say. To, here's what I'm trying to say about this. There's not a lot of. Uh, there's not a lot of. Uh, uh, I'm not really jazzed up with the idea of being like I'm just a sheep. But somehow, God made some sense of this. So I hope we can make some sense of it too. All right, let's get going here. So, uh, so th- there's only one way to follow the shepherd. First thing I want to say this one, there's only one way to follow the shepherd. See, as a sheep, I need a shepherd. If I don't have a shepherd, I'm, I'm lost. I told you I'm nearsighted as a sheep. I can't see real far, and so I'm going to lock on to whatever's closest. And if, and if that's not the father, if that's not the shepherd, if that's not the one who's going to take care of me, then I'm in a lot of trouble. I'm in a lot of trouble. Maybe, maybe you've gotten, maybe this happened to you in life at some point where you, you, you've kind of locked your attention on someone or something that wasn't actually leading you to the Father. It wasn't leading you to things that were right. It wasn't leading you to things that were good. And before you knew it, you were way down a path that was far away from where you wanted to be or who you hoped to be. You were way over here. You said, how did I get here? Right? Come on. Anybody ever had that experience where you just wandered off? You literally wandered off. And when you wandered off, you were kind of over here by yourself. And you're like, how did I get over here? And somebody sits back and they, they begin to connect the dots like this to this to this to this. And you're like, all right, I see how I got here. Now, how do I get out of here? How do I get back to where I'm supposed to be? Well, that's, that's a wandering sheep. That's, that's somebody who's kind of like navigated their way away, and I don't know where I'm supposed to be anymore. So Jesus starts off telling the story, and he's talking to the Pharisees. Let me get this so you understand. He's talking to those who would, who would be the leaders in the Jewish church. He would be th- those who would be like, I know the word of God. If he were writing it today to, one of, to, to, uh, to the Pharisaical leaders today, he'd be talking to people who have full knowledge of the book, but the application is misguided. There are people who understand what it says, but the application, how they apply that going forward is, is a little bit off point. And so he says to them, Anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate climbs in over the wall or comes another way, and they come for a purpose. Their purpose is to rob and to steal. All right? There, there's two purposes here. My pur- the purpose one is those who are going to lead, and the purpose two are those who are going to steal. They're going to deceive. They're going to trick. They're going to rob. They're going to steal. And he says, the ones who are going to lead, they come in the right way. The ones who don't just navigate any way in they can. They, they, they slide into you somehow, some way. That before you know it, they're involved in your world, and you're like, I don't know how they got here, and I don't know how to get rid of them. And they, they seem to entice you. They seem to, to draw you as if, they were supposed to be some, as if they were somebody else, but they're really not. Every sheep is looking for a shepherd. They're looking for a voice that they can follow because they can't see the way on their own. They're looking for a flock they can be a part of because they know on their own they're, they're in danger. So they're looking to kind of be a part of a pack. And, and oftentimes, we find ourselves misguided. Something we thought was going to be good, but we didn't do enough study to realize that it really wasn't. And, and before you knew it, we found ourselves in a bad, bad place. Um, some of you didn't pick up the joke that, uh, the jo- not the joke, it's not a joke, it was a true story that, uh, that, that Rick was sharing when he was talking about the light. And by the way, Rick, how did you know that the light was dim in the women's bathroom? <laughs> you said you were trying to be a light in a dark place. How did you know? <laughs> Rick, Rick is our youth pastor at our church, and for those who... For the, uh, <laughs> the servant in him, that's good. And for those who don't know, um, those who don't know, Rick is also a rapper, and one of the songs that he performs is about being a light in a dark place. So he was 
kind of dropping a little knowledge right there. That was really good. I like the way you tied that together. Verse 2, the one who enters the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. Now check this out. The, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep. Come on, somebody's with me. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep. The sheep listen. They listen to his voice. They listen to his voice. Why do they listen to his voice? Because they know his voice. They know his voice. Um, all of us are looking for a shepherd, whether we know it or not. Matter of fact, it's not just us. Everybody was created by God to have a void that is only filled by God. And that void that exists is the shepherd, the, the, the space in our life where we're looking for the one who would guide and would lead us. How many of us have ever tried to find, to put something else in God's place in our life? You tried, to, you, you tried to fill it with something else at some point. Maybe You don't have to tell me what it was, but some, maybe it was something that was good, but it was still overused, or maybe it's something that was bad and it was abused. Like, you try to take something else and fill it, and it's because we're looking for that thing that's going to lead us. It's going to direct us. It's going to na- help us to navigate our way forward. I, was, uh, I went out to dinner on Friday nights with uh, some of our friends here at the church, and we were coming home from dinner, and uh, I don't know where you were on Friday night, but if you were anywhere in this area, you, it, you know that it, it poured on Friday night. The heavens opened all at once. Like, all at once, I promise you, it just seemed like Niagara Falls over Philadelphia. And, uh, and we were driving. Thank the Lord I was not. We were driving. I was sitting in the back. I don't know if that would have been more scary or less, but I was sitting all the way in the back of the van looking forward, and I watched, and you couldn't see out the windshield. And our driver kept driving. Now, that did a couple of things. Number one, it increased my prayer rate. I was like, Father, I'm coming home. I might as well pray about it before I get there, right? And then, uh, and then number two, number two, I was like, how is he able to navigate the way forward? And it got so bad that he, he needed to pull off. He pulled off of the road. And uh, we pulled off on the road, and we just kind of watched the, the floods over, over our eyes and we, we laughed and we joked and we thanked the Lord that we were still alive. Every one of us, until we begin to walk with Jesus, is in that situation. We're blinded by what is overcoming us, and we're unable to navigate our way forward. Even in our best effort, we might be close to the path, but we ain't on it. Like We're, we're, we're getting off course. Absent of actually walking with Jesus, we're looking for that which is going to navigate us. I want to get started this morning, and I hope you can get going with me. I want to get started this morning simply by saying that every one of us has a need for a shepherd. If you don't know that you have that need for that shepherd, one day you will have that revelation. And when that revelation comes, I hope that you'll dial back into this because I believe that there is only one true shepherd. I believe scripture says there's only one true shepherd. I believe Jesus died to declare that he was the true shepherd. There is only one shepherd. There is only one way. The shepherd knows his sheep. This is really interesting. If you go back to David in Psalm 23, it's a very familiar psalm that people recite. You know, the psalm talks about being the sheep, being led by God. And, 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 and all throughout Scripture, we hear over and over again that God is the voice that leads us. He, he knew me in my mother's womb. He knit me together. Before my days, the Father had counted them. Like, I guess what I'm saying is this. 
if we're looking for a shepherd, there's only one who actually knows us, who knows all about us. He knows our rights and our wrongs. He knows our ups and our downs. He knows our family and he knows our story. He knows the things we suppress and he knows the things that we flaunt. See, the shepherd who really knows us, he allows us to know his voice. He allows us to understand who he is. Um, There's an illustration that goes something like this. It was happened about uh, about three years ago, maybe four years ago. I was over at the uh, uh, the, what, cra- the Cracker Barrel, the Cracker Barrel. Anybody ever go to the Cracker Barrel up, up here, up the way? Come on, if you haven't been to the Cracker Barrel, just whoever's sitting next to you, ask them to pay for you today and go. All right, like you're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. So I went over to the Cracker Barrel, and we went in to eat, and, and I, I don't remember how many kids we had at the time, but I know we had one that could run, and so there might have been others, but we had one that could run. And the Cracker Barrel, you, if you're familiar, you know that you got to go through the gift shop in order to get into the restaurant, right? That's brilliant, by the way. You know, best marketing plan ever, right? They trap you in the gift shop, which is also the waiting room, and uh, you're waiting to get into your restaurant, and you, just, and you just inevitably you buy something you're not supposed to, right? You're just like, oh, of course. I need this third thing to hang on the wall, whatever it is, right? Like, yes. And, uh, and so we're in, we're, in the, we're in that space, and we're trying to fight off the demon of buying things, and, uh, and, uh, and we lose sight of, of our firstborn, of Isaiah, right? We lose sight of Isaiah. And, uh, you know, and, and we don't realize we lose sight of Isaiah because I'm actually playing checkers to get those big checkers. I'm actually playing checkers, and, and Michelle's parenting and shopping at the same time, and, and we just lose sight of them. And before you know it, I, I hear the scurry of what's going on. There's a scurry, like, and I see somebody who, in Cracker Barrel official, is going to the door, and like, and they did a great job. They like man the door, like, nobody out. Everybody in, you know? And they said it real politely. Nobody was worried. I didn't even know it was my kid that was missing, but really soon after that, I realized, I realized they were guarding the door because there was a kid missing, and I was like, oh, man, I feel so bad for that mom and dad. <laughs> and then, then it was me, and so, so, I realized that it was my son. At some point, I realized it was my son that was missing. And, uh, and you know, the panic sets in, the, the fear, the concern. And, you know, you begin to look all over. Now, my kid, my kid, you know, he, he does what all kids do. There, there's clothing racks in there. And so he doesn't, he doesn't shop from the outside of the rack. He climbs into the middle of the rack to shop, you know. And so, and so he found his spot, his nestled spot in the middle of the rack, and we couldn't find him. And so finally, we just did what probably we should have started with. I just let the world hear my voice. Hey! I say, He might hear me in children's church right now. I say, where you at, buddy? Come on out. Come on out. Come on out. And as I waited longer and longer, the panic set in. Until out of the clothing rack came my boy. And I didn't know whether to be proud or mad. And I didn't know whether Michelle would be proud or mad either. So I just hugged my boy. And, but why did he come out of the rack? Because he knew my voice. He knew my voice. He knew my voice because he's my boy. Because I lead him in life. Because he knows what daddy sounds like when he's not happy. But he also knows what daddy sounds like when he is happy. He was probably confused at which one I was. But he knew my voice. Can I, can I just emphasize in verse 3? The sheep listen to the shepherd's voice. 
when I called my boy to come out, he didn't dig deeper in. He came out. Came out. Digress for my minute, digress for a minute here and just ask an appointed question. I'm assuming because you're here today, you at least know of the shepherd's voice. But I want to ask you a really important question. Do you listen to his voice? Do you listen to his voice? Let that cut as deep as it will. Do you listen to the shepherd's voice? When God calls you, do you respond? When you read in scripture, do you apply? Do you listen to his voice? Do you surround yourself with others who know the Father's voice as well and who are willing to to help influence you through the Father's voice. If you're following along, I want to move forward. One of the other things we need to know about sheep is they don't travel alone. Remember I told you they were nearsighted. They travel in a flock or they travel in a a pack. They travel in a group. And and part of that is for protection and part of that is for navigation and part of that is, is because they realize that on their own, they're very vulnerable, but together there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of strength in those numbers. Um, I, I joke with my family all the time. We, we we talk about this one time we went to see a bear, and uh, and I decided it was a good idea to get out and go go meet the bear. Uh, the bear was loose on the side of the road, and uh, I got out with one of my kids to go meet the bear. And then I realized at some point this is probably not a good idea. But I was comforted in knowing I didn't have to be the fastest. I just couldn't be the slowest. Follow that story. Follow that story. See, see, being together, you guys just got distracted. I was not, my kid is faster than me, okay? He would have been all right, all right? But, uh, and I, I'm, I'm more appetizing to the bear. So, um, away from the bear story, forget it. So, the, the sheep thing, they move, they move together in a flock. Now, watch this, watch this. <clears throat> when, when Jesus declares that we are like sheep, one of the things he is suggesting is that we need to be a part of the flock. We need to be together. And there's a reason why. Just like sheep, when we're on our own, we're vulnerable. We're, we're weak. You might think that you're really strong, and you probably are really, really strong, but you're not nearly as strong on your own as you are when you're gathered together with others who are like-minded and, and are able to hold you and, 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 and point you to accountability with others who are able to suggest to you through scripture, how we ought to live our lives. You see, the reality is when, when Satan wants to infiltrate my life, he doesn't often do it in church. Amen to that? Amen. He often does it when I find myself absent from the body. He does it when I'm alone, when I'm in my quiet of places. Like he finds ways to just begin to steal and to, to, to attempt to destroy to, to undermine the work that God is doing. And so, so the, the sheep, they travel together in flocks. They're, they're, they're bunched together, just kind of one big cotton ball, not the way we put them on paper, just one big, huge cotton ball all, all together at once. And I think sometimes we need to learn from that. We need to recognize that uh, as followers of Jesus, if we are like sheep, then we ought to stick together in the flock. Let me say that again. That needs to stick on somebody. We ought to stick together in the flock. Get with me down in verse 7. Truly, truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers. In other words, there's others who have, who have, who have sought to be what God himself and only God can do, and we've allowed those people in our lives as well. But the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be 
Come on, somebody get with me. Whoever enters, whoever enters through me will be, will be saved. Saved from what? Jesus is making a statement here that you and I need to understand today. The salvation that he's offering, the salvation that he's talking about is salvation from the wickedness that comes to steal and destroy, right? Stay with the sheep analogy. He said the others will come in and they will seek to steal and destroy. So salvation from that. But look, there's a bigger picture too. Jesus is talking about an eternal plan. He's talking to those who should have already understood this but have rejected this. They haven't bought in. They haven't believed. They haven't said yes. And so maybe he would be standing in a church like this and he, and he would feel the need to preach this kind of message to the church because the church is supposed to understand the book. But maybe there's application of the book that the church is saying, hey, I'm so he's saying to them, some of us are heading down a path because we're being led by someone who is going to steal, who is coming to steal and destroy. But I am the gate. I'm the shepherd. I'm the gate. I'm the only way. If you'll come back, that way leads to salvation. Salvation from eternal damnation, salvation from the threats of the day, salvation from the things that we've imposed on ourselves. That is the only, he is the only way. By the way, I just want to note, Jesus does not live in a day, does, does not suggest that there would ever come a day when there'd be a pluralistic option. All right, there's a lot of things out there that are really cool and really good and sound really nice, but Jesus declares that he is the only way. Please hear that today. He declares that he is the only way. I don't mean to step on anybody's toes if you believed in anything else, but Jesus declares, and matter of fact, he dies for the fact that he says it, that he is the only way, that he is the only option for salvation. You say, well, Pastor Ray, what does that mean about anything or everyone else? And I don't, I don't, I don't know what it means about everything and anyone else. And when I get to heaven, I'm going to have a, a clear understanding of that. But I know this, the word of God declares that Jesus is the only way. No one comes to the Father except through him. And Jesus felt that that was important enough for you and I to hear it. And he felt it was important enough for him to die for it. So I feel it's important enough to preach it. Amen? Amen. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. Jesus' words, I am the good shepherd. The word good there translated best means I am the ideal. I am the intrinsically good. I am good by nature. I am, I'm not taught to be good. I'm not, I didn't work to be good. I am naturally good by who God has created me to be. I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd and only the good shepherd. Let me say that again. The good shepherd and only the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He, he makes a comparison here going on from there. He's comparing the good shepherd to the under shepherds, those of us who, who, who aren't Jesus, but those of us who serve in that capacity, in the capacity of serving the Lord. He says, but only the good shepherd lays down his life for, for, for his sheep. <clears throat> Some of y'all might think I would die for you, and I might, but there's also a chance I might not. You know, it just really depends on the day. And it depends on which one of us is closer to naturally dying. You know what I mean? Like, how much life's ahead of us? Like, we got to compare some things. Jesus, now y'all might think less of me. That's okay. I'm sorry. I still love you, though. I do love you. I do. I do. I just love life as well. But Jesus declares that he's the good shepherd. He is the one who is, I don't, I don't let me just back up for a second, because some of y'all don't know me real well, and I feel like y'all just might have got like a really bad opinion of me. I want to die for you if I have to, and I want to want to die for you if I have to. I'm just confessing to you right now that I have a lot to live for, okay? All right, that's all I'm really trying to say there, okay? 
But the good shepherd does die for us. He willfully lays down his life for us. You remember in John 17, Jesus is praying just before he gets arrested. He has this long time of prayer. And he has this confessional moment before God. He says, God, if there's any other way besides me having to die, let's make that happen. And then he pauses. And because he's one with God, he says, okay, there's no other way. Then I'll willfully lay down my life. Please understand that. That Jesus chose to die for us. He didn't have to die for us. He wasn't arm wrestled into dying for us. One with the Father, he chose to say yes to dying on our behalf. Because he saw the value in who you and I are meant to be. The first thing I said this morning was that there's only one way that every one of us need to follow the shepherd. Every one of us is looking for, there's only one shepherd and every one of us has a, has a void in our life and we're looking for that shepherd. The second thing I want to say is this, is, is every one of us was created to be a part of one body under that shepherd. One body under that shepherd. Let me, let me help by saying this. We're a part of the small C here locally, and we're a part of the big C as, a, as being a follower of Jesus. When we talk about the church, big capital C, that means if you go to any other church where they follow Jesus, we're a part of the same body. Yes, that body meets together here on Sunday mornings at 1030. It might meet somewhere else at 930. It might meet somewhere down in Maryland or, or, or down in D.C. area. It might meet, might, might meet there on a Thursday night or something. But wherever they meet, whenever they meet, that's big C. We're all a part of a small C, the local thing too. And I guess what I'm trying to say is this. Jesus died so that you and I could be a part of this thing together. And together we could surrender under the headship of the good shepherd. The one who would actually lead us. The one who would actually die for us. The one who would give up enough that you and I might one day enter into the promise that he has for us. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the father knows just as just as the father knows me and I know the father. I will lay down my life for my sheep. I have other sheep that will come as well. I must bring them along. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Did you hear that? There shall be one flock and one shepherd. I'm in verse uh, I'm in verse 16. There shall be one flock and one shepherd. The body looks different sometimes, doesn't it? Come on, look around. Let's be honest with each other. The body looks good. Look around, look around. There ain't nobody in this room that looks just like you. I don't think, I don't think there are any twins in the room. Are there any twins in the room? There are a couple of you that do look a little bit like though. You like older, younger kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's good. The body does look a little bit different, but, but there will be one body and one shepherd, one flock and one shepherd. Can I challenge you right now? You have to say yes to that because I still have the microphone. Can I challenge you right now? If there's only one body and there's only one shepherd, some of us need to figure out how to stick with it. If there's only one body and there's only one shepherd, some of us has to figure out how to stick with it. I'm going to give three quick points to this. For those of us, and I want to talk to those who might be here or might listen later who are struggling with figuring out how to stick with it. For whatever reason, you wrestle with how to be planted in the church, be it this church or any other church. You just wrestle with this. So if you need to take notes on this, that's cool. If you need to text these notes to somebody else, that's fine. You want to send them the link later this week, do that as well. But check this out. I got three things to say for those of us who are struggling with how to be a part of the body. 
the first thing is this. When we struggle with how to be a part of the body, oftentimes it's because the body is not our priority. Come on now. When we struggle with how to be a part of the body, oftentimes it's because the body is not our priority. We find ourselves buying and suggesting things that are important but are not nearly as important as the body. And so the body becomes secondary or tertiary or somewhere way down on the list. Some of us that grow older and we think of ourselves as vacationers, I'm not in that category, by the way, but we think of ourselves as vacationers, we're going to spend half the year here and half the year there, and, and, uh, and, and as a result, we, we, we should find ourselves involved in two bodies, but as a result of not being permanent in one location, we just don't find ourselves involved in anybody, right? And then years later, you say, whatever happened? We used to go to church all the time. Well, the reason why you're not a part of the body the way it used to be is because the body's not the priority for you that it used to be. So if you're wrestling in that area, you're saying, I don't know how to just stick with a church for whatever reason. It doesn't do this or it doesn't do that or it's not cool enough or the lights aren't bright enough or the, 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 the shades are up or the shades are down or like our church are up and down. Like, <laughs> I want to just say, like, if you're struggling with being a part of the body, it's probably in part because the body's not your priority. And I think God wants to challenge that. The second thing I want to say is that um, some of us struggle with being a part of the body because we're not naturally relational. We just find that it's awkward to be around a lot of people. But you're a sheep. You know what's really awkward? Being alone. You weren't created for it. From the beginning of time, God has said it's not good to be alone, right? So all the way through Scripture, it's just not good to be off on your own. Like, all right, that doesn't mean you don't take a walk sometimes, but but don't wander too far because you're going to get lost, right? So, So I'm saying to somebody there, if you're having a hard time, figuring out church, part of it is because you're like, it's awkward to be around people. It's not nearly as awkward to be around people as it is to be off on your own. You will realize it at some point. Realize it at some point. And the last thing I want to say in this area is that I don't want to deny that that people have been hurt. But I said at the beginning of the sermon that the sheep aren't scary animals, right? Yeah, they bite sometimes. I bet you if you get too close to a sheep and you put your hand in its mouth, I bet you it'll bite you. I don't know. I ain't never been that close. Somebody who, somebody who like out from Midwest, you could tell me if I'm wrong, but like, you know, it, it might bite you and then you make it a lamb chop. It'll be all right. Like, it's cool. Don't do that to, you know, I mean, don't follow the illustration too far. But, but yeah, if you get too close to it, it might bite you sometime. But you know what? It doesn't, it doesn't mean that it's a threatening animal, right? And so, yeah, you may, maybe you were a part of a church at some point and, and church hurt happened. I am not denying that that's a real thing. But it doesn't mean you say, I'm not going to be part of the church anymore. It means you say, you know what, I'm not going to stick my hand in the mouth, right? But, but I'm still called to be around the, around the flock. And so you got to figure that out, whatever that looks like. But, but for somebody, I guess what I'm saying is stay. No, I didn't mean that to you because you're walking up. <laughs> stay, stay, stay put. Like, stay grounded. Be, 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 be where God has put you to be. Recognize that, yes, yeah, some, some stuff happened in your past, and, and that needs to be worked through, but don't, don't wall everybody off as a result, right? The body's still called to be the body. Amen. So some of us need to let that happen. I got to wrap down here, and I only got through half of our passage today, but I believe God still has something in there. He is the shepherd. His sheep know his voice. Jesus was willing to die that you and I might enter into all that's behind the gate for us. We're part of one body, 
We're often confused about the nature of that body versus the appeal or the draw of something else. But Jesus calls us not to be scattered, but to come together as one flock. I want to skip down, if you'll skip down with me and uh, a little bit further into the passage, look down with me at uh, verse 22. Then came the festival of dedication to, at Jerusalem, and it was winter, and Jesus was at the temple courts uh, walking Solomon's colonnade, and the Jews who were there gathered around him and, and, and saying, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you did not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me, but you do not believe because you are not my My heart breaks for those who don't know Jesus. I find myself, I find myself walking around praying for and, and literally seeing people who don't know Jesus and wanting nothing more than for them to know Jesus. But let me say this real quick. The blood of Jesus was enough. It's, it's enough. There is nothing else. There's no other way to win someone to eternity other than the blood of Jesus. But the blood of Jesus is only effective upon the belief of the non-believer. The blood of Jesus, which has all the power of eternity, is only effective in your life when you yield to Jesus. Jesus is teaching in this moment. He's moved to teaching, and he's teaching those who are supposed to be in a place that they are the teachers. And he's saying to them, the reason why, you, the, the reason why, essentially, the reason why my blood is not effective for you is because you don't believe. It's not because my blood is void. It's not because what I'm doing isn't right. It's not because I'm not one with the Father. It's because you've rejected the word of the Messiah. Church, I'm trying to say to you, if life is going all astray, it's not because Jesus is absent. It might just be because you've walked away. You've wandered on your own. You're not a part of the flock. You're, you're, you're the sheep who's out wandering around, and you're running to whatever's close enough, but you're not actually fixing your eyes on Jesus. You're not actually saying, I hear your voice, and I'll follow it. You're not actually saying, God, what you want from me is what is best for me. Church, I'm just asking you. I'm begging you. I'm pleading with you. Let me see believers who say yes to Jesus and not believers who just show up to church. Let me see people who say, I'm going to. I'm going to be passionate about pursuing the Heavenly Father because the way and the will of the Father is right for me. The, 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 the sheep know the voice of the shepherd. And church, I believe that you and I just need to come back. We need to, to fix our ears and our eyes, fix our eyes on, on the shepherd and, and allow our ears to hear the voice of the good shepherd. God, lead me. God, teach me. God, don't, don't allow me to be, to be one of the Pharisees who, who, needs to be, who needs to be reminded again and again that I'm supposed to know it, but I don't know it. Jesus does not cut anything here. He looks at them and he says, you should know it, but you don't. The reason why you're rejecting me is not because I haven't done great things, because you don't know my voice. But they should know it. And church, I want to say to us today that you and I, 
We should know the voice of the Father. We should have a discerned spirit that understands the will and the way of God. We should have people in our lives who help us to understand that. We should be a part of a flock that we can turn to at any time and say, I'm wandering off and I need some help. If you're out there and you're wandering alone, stop. Come home. Invite somebody in. Call somebody on the phone. Text somebody and express that you need help. Reach out to your local church. Reach out to your local pastors. Allow somebody to walk this road with you. The story winds down, and we're out of time, but it goes like this. My sheep listen to my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they'll never perish. No one will ever be able to snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than everything. And no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. And then he makes his final statement. I and my Father were one. Do you know the Father? Not of him, do you know him? Not have you heard about him, not have you studied something in a book about him, but do you know him? When you find yourself wandering away, do you hear the inviting voice of the Father saying, come back, come back, come back? Can I tell you this? Here's the way to test and know. Would you ever let your child go and do something that was extremely dangerous for the purpose of just allowing them to be hurt? Or would you yield them from that? Would you protect them from that? Would you keep them from that? I know, I know, some of us grew up in a day and age where our parents said, you know, I got to let you touch the stove so you'll know not to touch it twice. But you never, your parents never let you hold your hand on there too long, did they? Right? Right? Here's what I'm trying to say. If you find yourself out there wandering and you don't hear the voice of the Father calling you back, it's probably because you don't actually know the Father. It's probably because you don't actually know the Father. Jesus, I believe that your, that your work on the cross was enough. I believe that the blood dripped through the crucifixion and the resurrection from the grave was enough. And God, I know that that wasn't just enough for, for then, it's enough for now, and it's enough for eternally. But Lord God, some of us have bought a lie that just knowing about it is enough. Some of us have bought a lie that just showing up to church is enough. Some of us have bought a lie that maybe dressing apart is enough. See, the reality is all of those things have come to steal and destroy. All of those things are, are, aren't really a part of the flock. All of those things are things that are meant to, to move us away from what you're moving us toward. So God, be the good shepherd of my life. Be the good shepherd who leads. Be the shepherd who reminds me. Be the shepherd who lays down across the gate so that nothing can come in, that no one will be able to, to snatch me while I rest. Be the good shepherd who, who, who hems me in at night and allows me to, to, to play freely during the day, but keeps me within the voice of the Father, that keeps me within the stretch of your arm, that keeps me around the others. And Lord God, as that happens, allow us the freedom to say, you know what, we're going to encourage other people to look like sheep and to, to understand what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus, to, to walk in the way that we walk. And so if you're here today and you've been walking in that way, I want to encourage you, keep at it. I want to encourage you, keep after it. If you're here today and Jesus is the priority of your life, I want to encourage you, allow him to continue to be. I want to encourage you, 
live your life in such a way that others are inspired by it. But if you're here today and you're saying, I've heard about this Jesus, but Jesus isn't the center of my life, I want to tell you that can change right here, right now. That can change in your life. That can be something that's eradicated from your way. See, once you surrender to Jesus, you're reminded daily to surrender to Jesus. Once you give your life to Jesus, you're reminded daily to give your life back to Jesus. And so if you have never given your life to Jesus in a way that is true, in a way that you say, I now know my daddy's voice, I want to encourage you today. Believe upon God. Trust that Jesus is the Lord. Trust that the work that he's done on the cross, trust that when he said, I and my father are one, that that is true. Trust that Jesus, the good shepherd, desires for you to know him just the same way he desires to know you. If you believe that Jesus is the only one that can can cleanse you from the, the, the areas of life that have gone wrong, if you believe that Jesus is the only one that can forgive you of your sins, if you believe that Jesus is the only way to an eternal promise, then today, you know the Father. You know the Father. And as you get to know him more and more, you'll understand his voice, and you'll know when he's passionate. You'll hear his cry. You'll see the reminders when you drive around. You'll be given eyes to see things you haven't seen before and an ability to hear things you haven't heard before. You say yes to the invitations. Be a part of the body. If you're not from around here and you're just stopping by, then it's not here. Be be a part of the body somewhere. Find yourself around brothers and sisters who, who know Jesus and who are encouraging you to live like the Jesus that you know. church, for those of us who have friends and family and people we might know on our block who have just distanced themselves from the local church, be the voice that invites them back. doesn't matter where, just get them planted in a church. Don't leave sheep out there wandering alone. As under-shepherds, our job in part is to gather the sheep. Jesus' job to save them. So we'll go gather them up. We'll gather them up. We'll get them into place. Jesus, would you lead them? Would you lead us? Would you shepherd us? Would you protect us? Would you keep out the evil one and draw together your flock? Father, I pray that you would do something great. And I thank you for the declaration that you and your daddy, you're one. So the work we see, the voice we hear, from the beginning of scripture to the time you call us home, I do one voice, one reminder, one invitation, one yes. Jesus, have your way. We continue to yield to you and surrender to you. We worship you and we prepare our hearts to go into the world and serve you. We pray together in mighty name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. We pray it was life-giving. To find out more about us, visit our website at rocksboroughchurch.org and join us for worship on Sundays at 10.30 a.m.